0: Good evening, church. How are you all doing today? Enjoying this beautiful weather? Um, as our call to worship, I'd like to read from Psalm 34. Um, and I think this is a call for all of us who are maybe a bit weary, maybe a bit worn out from this week, uh, maybe struggling through certain things in our life. Um, the, the word the psalmist uses is the word afflicted. Maybe you feel a bit afflicted today. This is a call for you. I will extol the Lord at all times, no matter what I'm going through. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Come, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Can I invite you to stand as we sing as we exalt our King together? All who gather in the holy place, bless the Lord. All who call upon the God who saves, bless the Lord. If your sins have been washed away, bless the Lord. And if you stand only by His grace, Hello Let's sing an at them.
1: Church, we come to this time of communion. It's a joy to be able to come into this time together and to be at one with our Lord and as one as His church. You know, there's a time of sadness and joy as we experience the Lord's table. Um, After Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper with His disciples during the Passover during that meal in the upper room he said these or he went out and did this he came he came out and went as was his custom to the mount of olives and the disciples followed him and when he came to the place he said to them pray that you may not enter into temptation and he withdrew from them about a stone throw and he knelt down and he prayed saying father if you are willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done and there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him and being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground let us reflect solemnly on how our pride our sin our rebellion put him on that cross He got what I deserved. We drink this cup of redemption while he drank the cup of God's wrath. But there's also much joy and hope that is found in the cross. And I've got a poem here from Paul Tripp. I want to read it to you. The only hope, the only help, the only rescue, the only healing, the only solace, the only balm, the only redemption, The only restoration for a broken, dysfunctional, sin-scarred, evil-infected, morally fallen, dark and dangerous world isn't found in information, socialisation, education, political solution, psychological insight or personal reformation but in the willing birth, righteousness, humiliation, suffering, sacrifice and resurrection of a God-man redeemer. No idea can liberate. No power can save. No institution can redeem, restore, resuscitate or recreate what sin has destroyed. So a son had to come. Son of God, son of man, the creator came to recreate. The saviour came to be the sacrifice. The blessed one came to suffer. And in suffering to bless the world with hope, help, rescue, healing, solace, balm, redemption and restoration. The cost of it all was his life. It was his his birth mission, his resurrection victory. History marched towards his coming, and there was no other way. No other way. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that when we were hopeless and helpless, you made a way for us. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way back to you that is the truth, and he gives us eternal life. And, Father, we rejoice in that, even while we think upon the agony that he bore in our place. And we are very thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to come to the Lord's table now together. This is a table for those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. If you've not come to that place, today is a day of salvation. Please come and talk to us. We'd love to share the Gospel. And um, But for those who know Him and who are in right standing before Him, we want to invite you to partake. So I'm going to ask you to come forward first few rows can stand probably more than the first few rows if you can stand and come forward and receive the elements from our service please please take this time as you come forward to quietly reflect upon what we've just spoken upon the agony that jesus experienced on our behalf that caused him to sweat drops of blood even before he got to the cross As we take the bread, Jesus said, This is my body, which is for you. Let's eat together in remembrance of him. Jesus said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you for this supper. We thank you, Father, for the the remembrance through the bread and the cup of what Christ has done for us. And we are thankful. Amen.
0: Can I invite you to stand as we sing our next song together? What heart could fathom Such boundless grace The God of ages Sent down from glory To wear my sin And bear my shame The cross is spoken I am forgiven The King Yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living. Hope. Hallelujah! Praise the one who set me. The silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried. Our breath and our life you are all that we need and we praise you oh Lord we thank you for this rich unending boundless life that you have given that you have poured into us we glorify your name and we pray in the name of Jesus amen before you take your seat why don't you turn to someone next to you and give them a really warm handshake
1: Rob and Chris want some friends at the front here. So if any of you feel to move forward and be with them, they would love it. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. Jesus Christ, our living hope. What a future. What a hope. What a a great song. All right. Scripture at Subi. We're memorizing scripture, particularly the attributes of God. And the attribute for this month is God is good. So we'll get the words up. And we'll go through Psalm 119:68. Have we got the words for that? There we go. Oh, Wow, they are being tough. They are being tough. Um, the good thing is two of those words are good, and then you have to work out what the other one is, and you're fine. All right, let's do it together. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. You guys got it. We'll do it without the words next time. No problem at all. Okay, the kids are dismissed for Subi Kids. This is your time to go. Don't have too much fun, but have lots of fun. And don't give your teachers too much grief. I want to welcome you to Subi Church. My name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we're glad that you're with us. And if you're visiting, please make yourself known to us. We'd love to get to know you or make yourself known to the people around you, which I'm sure they would love to get to know you as well we've got connect cards either via the qr code and see it in front of you or the paper ones and you can put them in the bucket on the way out that'll be great we'd love to know that you're here regulars and visitors together we've also come to the time of offering um, we don't do that by the offering bags anymore but uh, you guys know how that all works there's certainly the offering box on the way out on the left if you need to use that let's come to the lord and uh, those offerings to him in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are good, Lord, and you have shown us in your word how to give because you have given us all things in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you model generosity to us. Lord, you model that joyful intentionality in giving to us, Lord, you planned Christ from before the foundations of the earth, and so we learn from that. Thank you, Lord, that our giving to you is all your work because you are first given to us. And we thank you that you multiply things that we have that we might multiply in generosity to others and help us to live that out. Thank you that in all this, Lord, you might be glorified. And I pray, Lord, that would be our heart's desire as we give. May you use it for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, some upcoming events. The hour of prayer. This is a really important time of our month at this church so the hour of prayer is on wednesday it's coming wednesday from seven to eight here in the cafe we'd love you to come in person there's just something really special when we meet together as god's people for real and so please come in person if you can't and you need to use the zoom then um the connection can be sent to you just put that on your connect card if you don't get that but we'd love you to come in person i think you got that message didn't you did you get that we'd love you to come in person all right um Community coffee morning happens on Saturday. That's from 10 to 12. Be praying about that because people certainly come in, and we want to reach out to these people and share the gospel with them, share the love of Christ with them. So if you can be part of that ministry, please come between 10 and 12 and join in with that. We've got something special on this Sunday, and um, it's not going to happen every Sunday. So you've got to listen into this. It's leading family devotion seminar now. Pastor Chim is leading that and teaching that. It's happening. I said. This Sunday is in tomorrow, that's not what I meant. I meant as in Sunday a week, 19th, all right? I'm practicing for tomorrow morning. Um, between 12.15 and 2 p.m. Now, let me read this. Pastor Chin is running a one-off seminar for parents on how to lead family devotions. This seminar will give you the confidence to lead devotions for your family and recommend useful resources. And they'll also have a panel of parents to share their experience on the day. This is going to be a really good resource for you parents with young children. It's really important that we um, spend time in the Word together as family. And Pastor Chin's going to be talking about how you can do that. It's going to be a good time. Don't miss out. Don't be too late. Put it on your, on your, um, on your Connect card, please. Men's ministry. We're going to have a snags and tubing afternoon on sunday afternoon the 26th of march put that in your calendar ladies kick them out after the afternoon snooze and um, get them out there at 3 30. Um, it's got deep water point reserve canning river and we want you to come along and just hang out with other men we're going to have um, snags on the barbecue we're also going to have um, some tubing behind the boat so come along and join in with that and you don't have to do both you can do one or the other if you wish um please RSVP on your connect card that you're coming. That'll help us know how many snaggers to get. Ladies, you're having a women's ministry night, Wednesday the 29th of March. And so that's coming up in a few weeks' time from 7.30 to 9 o'clock here in the cafe. So come and join the women in a wonderful evening together and they'll um, introduce the theme of the year for their ministry, for the women's ministry, and you can enjoy each other's company. So that's going to be a good time for the ladies to put in your... Diary, husbands, help them to ma- help them to be able to come along, won't you? All right. Please RSV on your connect cards as well. Now we've been introducing some ministries over the last few weeks, and we're going to introduce today, we're going to highlight the evangelism and outreach ministries. Pastor Dave heads those up and with a whole team with him. And you can be part of that if you wish to be. So just um, they'll be happy to train you to be part of that. So let me read what it says here. Evangelism at Subi Church is a mix of come and see and go and tell. Come and see consists of all us saying to those we know, I love my church, why don't you come and check it out? Or inviting people to one, uh, to one of the four courses that we run throughout the year that explains the basics of Christianity. We just had one of those recently, Simply Christianity, had about 11 people come along. So it's been a, a number of people come to know the Lord through that um go and tell consists of a number of outreach ministries that aim to share the great news of jesus christ to those who don't know him we have an english class weekly on thursdays art seeds on the first friday of every month and a monthly barbecue at the local wandana housing complex also community coffee morning we spoke about that one coming up this saturday and that happens once a month as well and there's also cafe malady which happens down the road here from time to time, they also do some door knocking and some street evangelism. So these are all opportunities you can get involved with. If you would like to know more about how you can be part of sharing the good news of Jesus in any of these ministries, please let us know on your connect card, and we'll talk to you about that. Would love to have more people be involved. Even if you're just one of you just want to, go, I can't. I'm not good at sharing my faith. I'd like to learn. Would love to teach you. All right. Any questions? Put them on your connect card, please. We're going to come together in a time of congregational prayer. The scriptures tell us very clearly when we come to the house of the Lord to preach his word, center his word, but also to pray together. So let's do that together. Father God, we come before you together as your people. Thank you for the body of Christ that we can come together and come together in worship, Lord, not just in song, but in prayer, being in your word. Thank you that you are Adonai, our master and Lord. You are Elohim, the mighty and strong one the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, our Creator and our Saviour. Lord, we, we know that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And we just reminded, Lord, that we do feel short of your glory. And we want to confess that to you, Lord. And we want to fall upon your grace and your mercy for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God of both truth but also grace. Father, we thank you for your salvation and the righteousness that we can have in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can come before your throne and bring our petitions before you. Father, And we want to bring before you the outreach ministries of this church today, particularly for Wandana. Lord, pray for the people there that there will be a great convicting work of your spirit come upon the lives of the men and women there, and that we will see a great turning to Christ in that place for art seeds Lord for the, the ones who come and join in that they would come under the conviction of your word as they hear testimonies of Jesus Christ working in individuals lives for community coffee cafe Melody, Lord that there would be more that would come and seek out the truth of your word and that we would boldly proclaim it Father we thank you for the door knocking and street evangelism we pray that you give much fruit from these ministries thank you for the courage of those that have to go out and do these things and would you continue, Lord, to, um, to help us to grow in these ministries? We pray, Lord, that people's hearts will be softened to the gospel. They'll be ready to hear and to receive. Lord, we know that's the work of your spirit, and we ask for that. Lord, may they acknowledge Christ as Savior and Lord. Father, we pray for the laborers, that you would sustain them, give them courage. Each one of us, Lord, to be a witness to our family, our neighbors, and our, work, um, our co-workers. Give us courage, Lord. Father, now we pray for this church and this day and the preaching of your word. We pray for Pastor Chin. We thank you for him. Thank you for his faithful work in your word. And pray, Lord, that you would lead him even now as he preaches your word faithfully, that we would be hearers of the word, but not only hearers, but doers also. And that you would conform us through it to Christ our Lord. It's in in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: good evening church the bible reading for today is taken from romans chapter 3 verses 9 to 20. what shall we conclude then do we have any advantage not at all for we have already made the charge that jews and gentiles alike are all under the power of sin as it is written there is no one righteous not even one there is no one who understands There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers are on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin.
3: Thank you, Deb. Good morning. Good Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you. It's always good to be with God's people as we come and we worship and we hear from God. Um, You know, one of the great things about having and being part of a church as we gather every week is that, you know, no matter what kind of week that we have had, you know, we come, we lift our, our, our eyes to the Lord, we sing praises to Him, and we are reminded that we have a wonderful and good God who loves us and has given us His Son. Well, let me start with um, this particular uh, TikTok celebrity. He is a British and U.S. uh, celebrity in recent times. He became very famous, very in the news a lot rather, not popular, but he was in the news a lot. And he presents himself as the perfect man who has everything a man could ever ask for. So let me read from two of his posts on social media. So this is what he says, you may have heard of him. I have everything every man has ever dreamed of. I have a big mansion. I've got a supercar. I can live anywhere I want. I have unlimited women. I go where I want. I do anything I want all the time. So, I'm an amazing role model. Alright, second post. Everyone, when they get the application form from God, would take tall, strong, smart, mentally tough, doesn't cry, rich. They take all these things... All these assets that I have. I did think of adding more, but that's enough. Um, To see what kind of person he is. Not exactly the most humble person, is it? In fact, he's boasting about how great he is, boasting about what he has, and about all the things that he can do. Doesn't hide it. Happily shares these things on social, social, social media, Boasting about all these things that he has. Now, I don't know what he thinks about what other people think about him. But for most of us, when we come across boasting like this, it sort of leaves a bad taste in our mouth, is not it? But we feel, you know, it's proud, it's arrogant, boastful. And most people tend not to like that. But what's the antidote, what's the solution to boasting? I mean, there's always a temptation in our world today, especially with so many tools at our fingertips that enables us to boast publicly, right? How can we be humble and not boast about ourselves, about what we have or what we do? Well, we'll have a look at that today. So we are going through, as you know, through a sermon series on the book of Romans. It has been wonderful to go through this book and see how Paul keeps the gospel at the center of his letter and his great desire of making that gospel known. And so today we are looking at Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 31. Now, some of you would immediately recognize it's the same passage from last week. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But it is a passage that is so rich with theological meat that I think we can chew on it one more week. And last week, David focused on the idea of propitiation, right, where... God is satisfied in his wrath towards us in the person of Christ through the shedding of his blood. And because of that propitiation, God looks upon us with favor. And today we're looking at two other aspects that Paul brings up in our salvation, in, past, in our passage. And many scholars, rightly so, they have pointed out you know, Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 26, is the heart of the letter to the book of Romans. It is the beating heart to everything that Paul has written. Now, to give you a sense of how important this section is, to give you an impression of why that is so important, it is very important that we remember the context of this passage. Right? So if you have your Bibles, just turn with me to the book of Romans. Always good if you can bring your own physical Bibles because you can immediately see the larger context of it. Just open your Bibles to the book of Romans very quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now Imagine this letter is sent to us. So we are the church that Paul is sending this letter to. <clears throat> so imagine someone takes a letter, comes up to the stage, and starts reading this letter to us. It begins with Paul. <clears throat> Excuse me. Give me one moment. There you go. So the letter begins... With Paul, he introduces himself as the apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Well, so far, so good. You know, we get an introduction to who Paul is. He says he wants to come, he wants to encourage us in the gospel. Great, fantastic. And then we keep reading. As the letter is being read, we come to Romans 1.18. And then we start hearing, Now the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of mankind. Whoa suddenly it took a pretty serious turn. And then it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. Romans chapter 2. You then, you have no excuse when you pass judgment on somebody else. Oh, suddenly it's about us now. And then as you keep listening to this letter, this bad news just keeps going. And then we come to Romans chapter 3, 9 to 20 in our Bible reading. Not exactly the most pleasant passage to read. There is no one righteous, not even one, no one who understands, no one who seeks God, they have all turned away, all have become worthless, no one who does good, not even one, on and on and on and on about how terrible all of us human beings are. Both Jews and Gentiles, that is all of us here, we are sinful, we are under the power of sin. And the last sentence in our Bible reading, it says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight, by the works of the law. None of us are right with God. And into this despairing, bleak, and frankly convicting passage, that Paul speaks the words of life to us, the words of the gospel to us in Romans chapter 3.21. And I'm going to read that passage right now. Let me invite you to stand as I read from Romans chapter 3. Verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. You may be seated. Hmm. So into that bleak, despairing two chapters, we arrive at the words of life. The righteousness of God has been made known, given to us through faith in Christ, and all are justified freely by God's grace. That is a complete contrast to what has come before, isn't it? He starts with, but now, now into this world where there's no one righteous, now into this world that Christ has come, this righteousness of God has been made known. And it's been made known apart from the law. He makes it absolutely clear that we, cannot have this righteousness by obeying the law. Now, of course, the temptation immediately after that is all. Oh, that means the Old Testament law is useless to us, therefore we can discard it. No, no, he immediately adds, the law and the prophets, that is the Old Testament, testifies to this righteousness of God. Now, it brings us all the way back to our first sermon in the series, where we saw the gospel is promised beforehand in the Old Testament. He brings the idea same, uh, to same idea here. It's not something new that Paul invents. This is something that already was there in the Old Testament. And he will go on to elaborate about that in chapter 4, which we will see next week. But his point here is that this righteousness of God, our standing before God, our right status before God, is given to us. And how does that happen? Verse 22 and 23. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Faith faith alone in Christ is the only way we receive this righteousness God gives us. It's not just for the Jews, also for the Gentiles. It's given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. It is a universal truth for all people, right? It's not just limited to a certain groups of people on earth. It is a faith for everyone, everywhere, at all times. And we receive this righteousness by faith, and faith alone. And over the next two sentences, Paul gives us three pictures of what this salvation is and what this righteousness of God means. David preached on one last week, the idea of propitiation, and that word comes from the temple sacrificial system from the Old Testament. And today we're looking at the other two pictures that Paul gives to us about our righteousness from God. So the first is this. Justified. Justified. God the judge declares us not guilty. God the judge declares us not guilty. Verse 24. And all are justified freely, by His grace. And this language of justified is taken from the language of the law court. He uses the image taken from a judicial system and He uses that to describe what God has done for us. And again, remember what came before this. Remember in our Bible reading where in some sense the case is laid before us about how we are in fact guilty of sin. We've been put on trial there's a mountain of evidence against us because of our sin, because of our guilt. And the picture that we have here then is a picture of God as our judge standing over against us in a court of law, and this judge is about to give us his verdict, our verdict of who who we are before God, our status before God. Are we guilty and therefore condemned in the eyes of this judge? Or are we justified, and therefore not guilty. What is God's verdict? And if you think about it, if we are our own judge, what verdict would we give ourselves? If we judge ourselves by our own standards, do you think we can give ourselves a pass? Francis Schaefer, who was a Christian apologist, Christian author, Very influential um, in the middle of the 20th century. He once gave this analogy. He asked us to imagine that you have an audio recorder with you at all times, and every time you say the word, or you speak, and you begin with, you ought to or you should this, and it's recorded. And then you come to the end of your life and you play back everything that you just said. Do you think you will pass the standards you set? yourself? That you obey every single one? Well, I seriously doubt so. Even by our own standards, we cannot do that. What makes you think we can obey God's standards and His law and attain righteousness like that? We can't. Right, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, Paul continues and says, Therefore, all are condemned into an eternity of... That's not what he says. He says, instead, all are justified freely by His grace. Justified freely. Declared righteous by God our judge. Right, so justification, that word, that idea, is the declaration by God that we are not guilty. It's about our status before God. It's about our verdict in this court, in our trial. We are not guilty. Now, that doesn't mean that we are sinless. doesn't mean that we are made righteous or perfect just yet. We still have sin. Justification is talking about our status before God. And He justifies and declares over us not guilty. And this is not something that we work for, something that we pay for. This is something out of God's sheer grace to us. We don't have to pay for this verdict. He justifies us freely. And for many people, you know, sometimes they live through life, they feel very guilty before God. They are always asking, have I done enough for God? Have I repented enough to God? Are there any sins left in my life before God? I really have to remember to repent and confess all my sins because if I don't, God's judgment is coming. And that's what happened to Martin Luther, the German monk 500 years ago. He took God's holiness really seriously and he took his sins really seriously and that combination absolutely paralyzed him he would go and confess his sins for hours on end. There was a report where he did it for for six hours. And then there are times where he would finish confessing, and then he comes out and then he realizes, oh, I forgot about that sin. He goes back and confesses again. And at one time he cries out, love God, sometimes I hate him. If that is his perception of who God is, that's not surprising, is it? Is that your view of who God is? That a God who is there waiting for you to make a mistake and then bring judgment upon you? A God who is demanding more and more and more of you until you can't take it anymore? Is that your view of God? That's not the kind of God we have in the Scriptures. Luther took God's holiness seriously. He took his sin seriously, both right things to do but we must also take the gospel seriously and here we see we are justified freely by god's grace we have a god who pours out his grace to us in christ and we are reminded of that each week when we come when we celebrate the lord's supper we are reminded of Christ's death and resurrection for us. And when we gather, we sing songs of praise to God of what He has done. We sing about Jesus, our living hope, this evening. Because this God has come. He has justified us in Christ by His death and by His resurrection. And when that happens, when we are reminded of that, our hearts are lifted up to God. We praise Him. We worship Him. This God declares us not guilty. There is another picture, another imagery that Paul gives us here. Number two, redeemed. Redeemed. God the Redeemer redeems us from our slavery. Verse 24. This is language taken from the slave market. Let me read verse 24 again. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption, redeem. That's a word that's used to describe the setting free of a slave from his or her master. And in our lives without God, we are always in slavery to some earthly thing. We can't help it but serve these relentless masters in our lives if we are not in Christ. And we have these masters in our earthly world that expects us to serve them. Each one of them oppresses us in different ways in our culture. For example, if our desire for power, that's the master of our lives, then one way that we're oppressed is that relentless desire to earn more and more money so that we can have authority over other people, or wield authority over other people. If pleasure is our master, then sexual promiscuity or entertainment becomes the act that we have to perform to make sure that we keep serving this master. Or we, if we have the master of finding meaning in our lives, that we have to have a specific meaning, that we must change the world, and, you know, advocating for social justice, no matter what that might be, becomes the act that we have to perform at all times to serve this master. And in the wake of the COVID pandemic, there was there is this big trend that's called the Great Resignation. What is happening is that many employees, they are resigning from their jobs in the aftermath of the pandemic. And because of lockdowns and because of working from home, that really gave people the time to reflect and space to think about their jobs, about their lives. And they recognized, you know, I want more meaning in my lives, in our jobs. And so they took that opportunity to look for another job as a way of finding fulfillment. But without God, we will always end up in the same cycle of being slaves to our earthly masters. We just move from one to the other. Well, some of us could be slavery to the idea of perfection. That whatever we do must be perfect, and that drives us and others around us crazy. Sometimes it's the desire for control, slavery to the desire for control. That we think that we must control every single detail of our lives and the things that we do. Or slavery to our jobs, where we cater to every whim and desire of our jobs and let it dictate our lives. Or slavery to our family where we are expected to perform up to the expectations of our family. Or could also be slavery to our laziness, where we become sloths and become glued to our entertainment. could be slavery to our perception of ourselves, where we obsess over how people think about us. And I'm sure you can think of many other examples. One author puts it this way, He says, beyond the Christian gospel lies just endless performance. In the absence of a just God, justice must be performed. In the absence of a creator, identity must be performed. In the absence of a savior, atonement must be performed. In the absence of a father, intimacy must be performed. There's always a performance demanded of us and we are in slavery to some master. And all these things are just different forms of sin, different forms of idolatry, where we serve earthly things rather than God. These things call for allegiance, and we're not free from them. It's just like the Israelites being slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh. Pharaoh saw that this group of people, they were growing, he felt threatened, he oppressed them with forced labor, Put slave masters over them. And the Israelites, they were forced to submit and to serve these slave masters. And in being slaves to all these earthly things, our souls are infinitely burdened. Burdened by having to perform these tasks to appease our masters. Relentless, day after day after day. Aren't you tired? of serving these masters day after day? Are our souls not heavy with burden of serving these masters day after day? Are we not oppressed by these masters of ours who demand more and more each day? But like the Israelites, there's no escape. There's nothing we can do. Unless God sends a Redeemer And he sent a redeemer to Israel to rescue them out of slavery in Egypt. And he sends a redeemer for us in the person of Jesus. Let me read verse 23 and 24 again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God, the Redeemer, comes, redeems us from our slavery. Slavery to our sin, to our idolatry, through His appointed Savior, Jesus Christ. And this word redeem, redemption, then, is a word that's used to describe the time when the Israelites were saved from slavery. And Paul uses that to describe the liberation from our sins through the redemption that this Jesus has brought us. And that means that we are free free from slavery to all the different masters that we can serve here on earth. Christ has set us free. We don't owe allegiance to these things anymore. But rather, we owe allegiance to a perfect, good king who loved us and gave himself for us. And so we no longer have to perform to serve these different masters. We don't have to be perfect in all that we do because we know that we have a perfect Father in heaven. We no longer have to be in control at all times anymore because we know God is in control. We no longer have to be slaves to our jobs because we find our ultimate master, ultimate meaning in life in God. And we're no longer slaves to our own perception of ourselves, worrying about how people think about us or how we think about ourselves because we know how God thinks of us. We're children of God most high. Nothing greater and better than that. God redeems us in Christ. We are redeemed. So the first aspect of our salvation here, God our judge declares us not guilty. We are justified. Second aspect is that God our Redeemer comes and He redeems us from our slavery to sin. We are redeemed. Justified and redeemed. But this comes at a cost. That's a price to pay for this justification, for this redemption. And that price is Jesus as we saw from last week. Verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement or propitiation as we saw from last week to satisfy God's wrath through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. We did nothing God did everything in Christ. God paid that price in Christ. We did not deserve it, but yet God comes and who redeems and justifies us in Christ. And that's why with all of this, and as we keep reading, and we come to verse 27, it's not surprising Paul says this. He says in verse 27, where then is boasting? It is excluded We don't boast in anything that we have done. Well, because we have not done anything to save ourselves. God did everything. And so, what do we do? We boast in God alone. We boast in God alone. Let me read the rest of verse 27. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. Now, Paul is a bit tricky here because he's using a bit of a word play on the word law. Remember at the start, he made the point that no one is justified by obeying the law, and there he meant the law in the Old Testament, the law of the Old Testament. But here he uses the same word law, but twists it a bit, changes it to mean something like principle. Boasting is excluded because of what principle? Is it because of the principle that requires works? No, it's because of the law, the principle that he just talked about, that we are justified by faith. And so he says in verse 28, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. That is why boasting is excluded. We're all justified by faith alone, apart from the works of the law. And that's why boasting is excluded. We don't boast in our own works. We boast in God. In verse 29 and 30, he makes the point that this God is the same God for everyone. And so justification by faith alone is for everyone, everywhere. And if that's the case, what is there for us to boast about? If God is the one who did everything for us, who justified us, who redeemed us, who sent Christ as a propitiation for us, what is that to boast about? There's nothing we can boast about. Nothing except in God alone. Nothing except in God alone. And once again, this idea is not new. This is something that is already there in the Old Testament. Let me quickly read you one passage from Jeremiah chapter 9. Verse 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says, if you see small caps, Yahweh. This is what Yahweh says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom. Or the strong boast of their strength. Or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast about this. That they have understanding, their understanding to know me. That I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Let not the wise or the strong or the rich boast of their wisdom or their strength or their riches. But let them boast that they know God the God who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness. If there's anything we can boast about, anything at all, we boast about God and God alone. We don't boast about how much we have done for God. No, 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 we don't boast about it. We don't boast about our volunteer work. We don't boast about our family or our children or status or our job or our work. As much as I would like to, I'd love to boast about Subi Church, but no, we don't boast about Subi Church. But what we do boast is that we boast in God and God alone. God and God alone, because He has done everything for us. July the 8th, 2010, there was a television program that was broadcast live. It's called The Decision. Some of you who are NBA fans, you know this. This is this was a seventy five minute show where LeBron James, who was a basketballer in the US, would announce which team he would be signing for the next season. So at that point, he his fame was growing because of his immense immense talent on the basketball courts. Many teams wanted to sign him. And so the general public, they were very interested to see, where is LeBron James going to go? Which team would he be signing for? And because of that, his entourage, his people, wanted to take advantage of this. And so they set up an entire show of 75 minutes just showcasing him and his decision. That's why it's called The Decision. All the spotlight was on him and his decision. When the show was aired, there was about 13 million uh, people who watched the show. The show of a person announcing his decision. All about LeBron James, all about which team he's signing for, where he will be playing next. It was all about him and his decision because apparently he's very, very, very important. Let me contrast that with a story from Doug Nichols. Doug, in 1966, he was working for Operation Mobilization. And at that time, he was in London, and they are having their big annual conference. He was assigned as part of the cleanup crew, and at half past 12 in the morning, so 12 midnight, he was sweeping the steps of the conference when an older gentleman walked up to him, approached him, and asked, is this where the conference is being held? He said, yes, but everyone's gone to sleep. It is half past 12. And this older gentleman, he was dressed in very simple clothes, just had a small bag with him. Uh, He just said, oh, I'm also attending the conference. And so Doug had to find a place for him to sleep. And so he led this older gentleman to a room where there were about 50 people bunking there, right? 50 young people who were sleeping on the floor. And this older gentleman, he had nothing to sleep on, so Doug had to go and find and prepare a padding, a blanket, and uh, I think he used a towel as a pillow. And as they got ch- chatting, it also turns out this older gentleman, he hasn't had dinner yet. And so, you know, he went and go and find some food. He found conflicts, he found bread, uh, milk, and jam. So they sat down, they had a chat, they talked to each other. And he found out that this older gentleman, he worked in ministry in Switzerland, you know, ministry to travelers and to hippies. And he has seen a number of people coming to Christ. Very encouraging conversation by, by all accounts. And shortly after that, you know, they turned in for the night. It was very late. They went to bed. The next day, Doug woke up, and he was in big trouble with the leadership of the conference because they came and told him that he had just put the main speaker for the conference with his 50 other people on the floor. You see, that other gentleman was Francis Schaefer. If, in case you don't know who he is, was, again, he was a prolific author, theologian, philosopher, apologist in the middle of the 20th century. Very influential. That shaped many churches and ministries across the world. But he had no issues sleeping on the floor. His life was one where he talked about, boasted about Christ and Christ alone. Not in his own self, not in his intellect, not even his own ministry. Well, how could he when God and God alone is the one who justifies us freely by his grace? How could he when God and God alone is the one who redeems us from our slavery to sin? No, no, no. We don't boast in ourselves. It is excluded. We boast in God alone. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we read this passage, these words of life, and what an amazing passage about what you have done for us. We read through the beginning of chapter 3 and we see our sins and how there's no one worthy, no one who understands, no one who seeks you, that we have all sinned before you, a holy and righteous God. And the verdict for our trial is supposed to be condemned, judged. But yet in your great mercy, in your great kindness, in your amazing grace, you have come and justified us freely, freely by the redemption that came through Christ. And all we do as your people is to receive that by faith and faith alone. Where is boasting in that? When we stand at the foot of the cross, look at what you have done for us. And so, Father, we do pray and ask that this vision of the gospel, of what you have done for us, may that shape us as a people people of humility a people grateful for what you have done for us a people who boast in how great a god that we have so father by your spirit we ask that you do that for us may we be a people who are grateful a people who boast in christ alone in jesus name we pray amen
0: I invite you to stand as we sing our final song. sing. I will boast. I will boast.
4: Nice.
3: Hope and pray that your souls are lifted up in praise and worship of our God. I know in the time that I prepared for this sermon, it was such an encouraging passage to prepare that could be a reminder of God's grace and love for us. And I do pray and hope that you are blessed this evening. If you do need prayer, please feel free to come to the front. We are more than happy to pray with and for you as well. Let me finish and send you off with a benediction. May God our Father, who has justified us and redeemed us in the person of His Son, by the power of His Spirit, may He be with us now and forever.